Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, welcome to Femoscopy, a quaint little podcast where two and only two friends get together and discuss their opinions on movies past, present, and, well, something, nothing we can really see in the future, so the future. past and future, yeah, shut up. Our next episode is going to be about a movie that's only in our brains, that hasn't seen the light of day yet. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. Well, uh, today, noticeable by his absence is nobody, because this podcast has only ever been two people. We're retconning this today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking stalling him out. <laughs> We're gaslighting you people. Yeah. Uh, Cody cannot be here today because, I don't know. He has COVID. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I thought he was about to say, like, he has a Cody. I'm like, what is, I guess this we'll just call it anything. Um... Well, today is the episode covering The Fugitive 3.0, and I say 3.0 because this is the third time attempting to record this episode. We've recorded it twice, once my equipment failed, second time Cody, I guess, had a porn virus hack his computer, I'm not sure, and his file was corrupted, so we're just going to record it, Cody couldn't make it, so we're going to bang this thing out because this episode was supposed to literally come out, I think, December, wasn't it? Yeah, this was like a last year episode. <laughs> yeah, this was last year. We recorded this before Christmas, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And, like I said, we had to do Small Soldiers. Like, we literally did The Fugitive, then we did Small Soldiers. Yeah, and then we had to re-record so. Small Soldiers separately, and we were going to do The Fugitive later on. Like, No, I don't think we ever re-recorded Small Soldiers. You don't think, I think so? we just delayed it. Okay, <laughs> yeah, we probably did just delay it. Yeah. Um... Anyway, so, today's episode is The Fugitive. It was released in theaters on August 6, 1993, four days before my sister's birthday. And it had a modest budget of $44 million and made $368.9 million. Like I said, this is 1993 dollars. Like, you know... Didn't yeah. this movie have, like, a big foreign market? Like, a lot of people in China loved it or some shit. Uh, you know, let's see. Uh, it had, well, actually, it went on to gross an estimated $183.8 million in the United States and Canada and 185 in foreign revenue. So it was split down the middle. Oh, okay. <clears throat> For 78 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a 96 Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah, but we never put our, uh, any, like, credence with... Rotten Tomatoes. I, I mean, I get really petty with Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Like, you know, screw them. They don't like this movie I like. But well, a lot I, of the scores are just, like, stupid because it's like, I don't know. They'll just, whatever's, like, flavor of the month will be, like, higher than, I don't know, fucking the first Godfather or something, you know? Yeah. I don't think, like, I think the first Godfather, let me look that up real quick. I think it's, like, 98. I mean, yeah, that's probably pretty high. I don't doubt that. But there's some things like, yeah. It's like Infinity War, 99. <laughs> this movie's um, fucking better than... Let's see real quick. I'm going to double check this. Rotten Tomato. 97 on 133 reviews, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, like, who who the fuck is going to be the person in the world that's like, hey, the Godfather Part 1 sucks? Yeah, I don't think anybody will ever say that. <laughs> I am the... One for one of the few that says the Godfather one's better than Godfather two, though. That's yeah. just my opinion. But well, yeah, that's a, that's in the archives. Go back and watch it or watch it, listen to it. You can watch it if you want. You just be just 
like you sound file just like at your podcast app. Yeah, <laughs> whichever one. <laughs> you can find us on uh, Google, uh, Anchor, Spotify, uh, Nipple Twisters. Uh, yeah, YouTube. No, we're not on YouTube. <laughs> uh, sorry, right tube. No, right tube, left tube. We, we cover on all the political um, landscape. Pornhub, X videos. <laughs> XNXX. Uh, you can find us on there as well. <laughs> Bang bros. <laughs> all right. So, and you know, I actually did rewatch this movie today. Or not today. Well, kind of. I rewatched it yesterday. And then you listened to it today. Yeah, I listened to it on my phone today while I was at work. Just If I could listen, I figured, okay, if I can listen to the movie and picture the movie as I'm going along, I should be good on remembering the movie because I've watched this movie so many times. Um, but before we get into it, uh, what was your first experience <laughs> with this movie? Uh, was it the first time you watched it was today or was it possibly like three months ago? I'll leave it to you to let me know, yeah. Owen. It was almost a year ago today. <laughs> this this faded, unlucky episode that was stated to come out. But yeah, the first time I ever watched this was when you recommended it for the podcast. I didn't know even about the uh, series that came before it that this is like kind of like a remake of. I didn't know about mm-hmm. any of that. Um, when I first watched it, I thought that this was going to be like... I really thought I wouldn't like this when I first saw it, but I remember, like, I was hooked probably within, like, the first ten minutes. There's something that was just really compelling about the beginning of this film that's, like, I don't know. It it can really hook you in. I think it's just the mystery is really interesting. That's awesome. Um, And my girlfriend, Brittany, had never seen this movie, too, and I made her watch it one day, and she was hooked into it. Like, it wasn't boring. She was curious what was going to happen. And what Owen was referring to is this movie is based off the 1963 TV series, The Fugitive. And that movie, movie, it became a movie. The series was created by a man named Roy Huggins, who has created a bunch of television series. He made a show called Maverick with James Gardner. He made The Rockford Files, which is a top gun. <laughs> That's probably where they got the name for it. Take my breath away. <laughs> um, he made uh, the Rockford Files. He made Magnum PI. He made a bunch of stuff that like flourished in the seventies and eighties into the nineties. Yeah, and that show was actually one of the few shows that actually had a definitive ending to it. Because most TV shows were like sitcoms or shows. They never had a definitive ending when they ended the show. Like companies just ended. The thing they always just looked at yeah. it like people didn't have an this, investment in the original it. show was like it had like an arc throughout the series, didn't it? Yes, it was. It literally was like this movie condensed. Yeah, it was like a mini series or some shit. That's really weird for like a nineteen sixty three TV show. Yeah, and think about it, like this. It went four seasons, a hundred and twenty episodes, ninety in black and white, and thirty in color. And the runtime of each episode was fifty one minutes. Yeah. So it was like this is this movie just like one season or something or is it like uh no this movie's just like kind of condensed I think I never watched the old show obviously my grandparents did yeah and I never really asked them when I could have the chance to but it was one of those like I guess every episode was just him trying to get closer and closer to the truth 
and he would have to do something. Like, this episode has another adventure for him to get to a next step or whatever. And yeah. he has a Gerard character chasing him throughout the entire series. And then I think at the end, Gerard lets him go. Like, he catches him, but then lets him go, lets him go find the one-armed man or something like that. Yeah. And then the one-armed man, that's the end of the episode. He finds the one-armed man, he fights with him on a water tower, and then he falls over and dies. Takes his other arm. He <laughs> no shoves it up his ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this thing, actually, the show was nominated for five Emmy Awards and won the Emmy for Outstanding Dramatic Series in 1966. In 2002, which was 20 years ago, it was ranked number 36 on TV Guide's 50 Greatest TV Shows of All Time. And the ending... The final episode, let's see here, was a two-part final episode called The Judgment. And let me see here. Part two of the finale was the most watched television series episode up to that time. It was viewed by 25.7 million households, 45.9% of American households with television set in a 72% share, meaning that more than 78 million people tuned in for it. And it was... Let's see, held until November. So that was 67 when that was thing. That It held the record until like November 1980 from the show Dallas. Oh, okay. And then that was surpassed by MASH, their final episode. MASH. Um, Sue was signed and it was playing was It blamed on many 20 years. <laughs> uh, but listening to, I did um, rewatch a few videos. That like one video was like top ten facts in the movie, and another one was just kind of like a, a quick little yeah. twenty three minute dive on it. And someone someone else had their own review. I watched I read some trivia too. I didn't know that the train scene was like they actually crashed two trains together. Yeah, and the funny thing was Harrison Ford wasn't there for that scene. That's him running. Yeah, like in the forest, and they just kind of put it, they pasted it behind it. Oh, okay, yeah. And um, this this movie had like. It it was in like the script was in production for like five years. They had like a shit ton of writers. I think I can't remember. It's like it's 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 above ten, and could be way more than that. The writers that eventually were attached to this project, and it set a record for most editors for a movie that was nominated for Academy Award because it had six editors in the movie. Like, the director was overseeing uh, two sets of three editors when they were trying to put everything, because he filmed an absorbent amount yeah. of footage for this movie. And, like I said, it stars Harrison Ford, Mr. Han Solo, Indiana Jones himself, yeah. and Tommy Lee Jones. And Tommy Lee Jones felt like nobody was going to see this movie. And I think Harrison Ford almost thought it was like the ending of his career. And I, I think Harrison Ford, Harrison Ford, Tommy Lee Jones said to, I will not be able to say his Joe name. Joe Pantelione. Yeah, yeah. Joe Pantelione is that. He says, <laughs> it's, it's not like anybody's going to be winning an award all this thing. And he wins the Academy Award for Best Co-Star. Yeah. Yeah, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, he delivered like a really good performance in this. Um, He's like the fucking epitome of cool. Yeah, and his character really like rides this line between... Like being this really cool kind of character that you're rooting for, and at the same time being this kind of like hard ass, like you know, I gotta do my job. Yeah, like kind of a dick. Um, but you know, you, he eventually comes around and you start to like him. <clears throat> and somebody was uh, like, one of the reviews I was listening to, and it made a good point. His character has more growth than Kimball's. Yeah, definitely. Cause well, he, which is Harrison Ford. So yeah, John Kimball doesn't really have an arc, but um, Tommy Lee Jones's character definitely does. He like. 
at, at the beginning of the film, he's like, I don't care about what's, I just care about justice. And then, you know, eventually he starts uncovering all these pieces about, um, uh, Kimball's past or, you know, the case and stuff. And he starts to piece together this, uh, you know, the proof of John Kimball's innocence. Mm-hmm. And just for casting, uh, Alec Baldwin was actually going to be cast for this movie, and they, they felt like he wasn't a big enough star yet for it. Yeah. So they wanted somebody back. Nick Nolte, Kevin Costner, and Michael Douglas were also up for the part. Eventually, Harrison Ford getting it. And then for Gerard's character, it was Gene Hackman and John Voight were both considered, and Tommy Lee ended up getting the thing. You see, I believe Tommy Lee... And he did, two years prior, worked with this director on the best Steven Seagal movie of all time called Under Siege, which is like a fucking awesome movie. I'm eventually going to have us cover on the podcast. I mean, I mean, it's Steven Seagal. Fight, bam, bam, bam. But the bad guys are Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones. And Tommy Lee Jones is fucking incredible yeah. in this, that movie. He, like, it just, you know, he takes the stereotypical bad guy and just makes it a fucking, like, memorable role. Um... But yeah, so this movie you know, was in production. It came out in 1993, August 6th, like I said, four days before my sister's birthday. The f- home release, though, and this is before you could just like, like I did a couple days ago, went on our group YouTube channel. Uh, I rented it, used my thumbprint, the movie was available. Yeah. <laughs> the, the home release was on VHS and DVD. On March 26, 1997. And a special edition DVD was released June 5th, 2001. Eight years later. But, you know, like I said, it took four years for this movie to get a VHS release. And that's what we got off of. That's what my grandmother, for my first experience, I've watched this movie a bunch. I cannot pinpoint the first time I ever watched it. Because i watched it so many times. But I remember watching it with my grandmother at her house. And then her letting us borrow the VHS and I'm watching it at the house with my parents and eventually she just gave us the VHS because we loved it so much and it is one of these movies that I feel like it's probably my first grown up movie I watched that I liked because before that I'm watching like fucking Power Rangers old wrestling tapes wrestling going on at the time um, Ninja Turtles just you know probably even Star Wars but Star Wars really isn't a a grown-up movie. Yes, family movie more. Yeah. And so this was like the first movie that was like, oh, this is a grown-up movie. Um, and I end up like just loving it because Harrison Ford I knew from Star Wars. Yeah. But, well, how, hell, I don't even think I've seen Star Wars yet because if that came out in March 97, the special editions didn't come out until like late 97 because I got that for Christmas that year. Anywho, um, and also... It's John Kimball, the... The space guy is John Kimball. <laughs> uh, also, the film generated $97 million in revenue from video rentals back when we had video stores and all that. Hell yeah. Shout out to Blockbuster. Uh, Mega Video was something here in Clarksville, and then they had something else. Actually, shout out to Family Video. <laughs> yeah, Family Video. <laughs> and we actually had, I can't remember what that place was called. It's actually here. We're right next to Great Clips. Right over here, it used to be a video store right in this like, corner of that little, little, yeah. It's just, it's, I'm, it's a visual for me and Owen. Anywho, <laughs> for the audience, for the audience, just guys let you know, we'll send you a Google Maps link, you can look it up, like, oh, that's what we'll they're send you about. our IP and our <laughs> global position coordinates. Um, 
So anyway, this movie is following Dr. Richard Kimball. Uh, the movie starts out with a quick flashes, not even really a montage, but flashbacks to a earlier scene at a big dinner ballroom for the hospital, I guess where the rich people go to sell their medicines and try to make deals and stuff like that. And he's with his wife. All this is intercut with him at his dinner table covered in blood. And police officers are taking pictures. And every time there's a flash from a camera, it goes back to that scene earlier. So it goes to him being taken downtown and being questioned. And then they book him because his fingerprints are everywhere. Um, and they think that... He killed his wife. Obviously, or, they think his wife. You know, they don't, There's yeah. no one-armed man. They start asking questions like, well... If she's insured, then that means you're not going to be hurting for money, aren't you, Doc? No. <laughs> and, you know, of course, he's all, like, distraught. And then there's a court scene, which moves pretty quickly. I don't think the American judicial system moves that quickly anymore. And... They, yeah, it would have taken, like, <laughs> ten extra years. Yeah. <laughs> like, until he finally got his case heard. So yeah, so he he he's in there and they play a recording from his wife where she's calling nine one one saying he's trying to kill me and then she hears Richard in the background walking up the stairs and she says Richard. she calls out to Richard he's trying to kill me and the recording you just hear her say Richard he's trying to kill me my husband Richard Kimball is trying to fucking murder me <laughs> um so yeah so he gets. He gets sentenced to jail, prison, I guess. So he's in jail. He's about to get uh, transferred to a maximum security. He has a beard, so that shows you a passage of time. Yeah. Um, well, he has a beard in the beginning. Too. Shut the hell up. Maybe it's more gray. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> um, he has a prison jumpsuit, so that's the passage. And he has a prison lover with him too. Yeah. So, no, <laughs> he's fully. He's like as a prison nerd. So. <laughs> but um, so. You know, they get on the... Pr- on it's just one day in prison, and he's like, yeah, this is my husband, uh. <laughs> Um, So anyway, I'm trying to keep my track of thoughts so I don't lose it. So anyway, he gets... He, with a group of prisoners, are going to be transferred to a prison. So about halfway through the trip, um, one of the prisoners, like, drops, like, fucking... What is that thing you put, like, pop, pop, fizz, fizz, over the yeah, yeah, like, um... Mentos or some shit? I don't think it's a mento because you can't get a mento to fizz. Uh, heartburn shit. Fuck. Oh, like anti-acid tablet. Yeah, yeah anti-acid. Like so it starts foaming at the mouth. They go in there and then... Well, one of the guards goes in and the other guy who plays on the office is like... the um, no, office, office space, the movie. Yeah. He's like, we're almost there. Like He's like, let's get these motherfuckers here. And the guy goes in there, and then, like I said, the dude's faking it. There's a struggle. Everybody gets shot and killed by the dumbass police guard who's, like, (laughs) randomly aiming the gun everywhere as he's fighting somebody and hitting the trigger. So he shoots the bus driver. The bus tumbles over a slight cliff, if you will. And this is one of the things in the movies that's that's kind of funny. When when it hits the ground, there's no train tracks anywhere. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he's on train tracks for the scene. It's like, God, somebody build some train tracks. God, we got to deliver something now. This bus is just making shit work terrible for us. Um, But going into like just the rest of it, so 
Kimball escapes, and the whole movie, I don't want to bore everybody with like the plot because I'm going to be missing a bunch. The whole movie yeah. is him trying to find who killed his wife because he knows he's not crazy. He did fight with a one-armed man. Yeah. Nobody else believes him because obviously he's a fugitive on the run now. And the whole movie is scenarios as he's trying to get closer to the truth. He keeps like running from the law. So he's fighting two battles. He's trying to find his wife's killer to prove his innocence. And he's also being chased by not just the police, but Gerard. Which U.S. Is Marshal, Jones. yeah. Yeah, U.S. Marshals. And, and when he first gets introduced, you know, like I was saying earlier, you kind of, uh, he's like confrontational and shit. He's kind of like a dickhead, so. Yeah, because that first scene where he, he's, you know, like, I want, want every outhouse, penthouse, doghouse, look for and all that stuff. And he says, and someone pointed out in the review, when he says his name, he goes, Dr. Richard Kimball. When he says doctor, he shakes his head like, and, like I'm smarter than this guy. Fucking doctors. <laughs> and Tom Lee Jones' character, uh, Mr. Mr. Wayne. <laughs> I don't know how I went into Bane. Uh, my, uh, Dr. Dr. Gerard. Fuck. U.S. Marshal Gerard. Butler. Butler. Um... God, that would be a terrible movie. Gerard Butler was in the. <laughs> Can you imagine? I remember when he was like, it was a big thing. After like, like four or five years after like Three Hundred, he he was like really fucking huge as a uh, star. He was the star of Three Hundred. Yeah, he was uh, Midas. Yeah, oh, the no. Midas touch. The blonde hair guy. No, no, no. I don't know his name, but he was the dude. Like, this is Sparta. Oh, King. that's uh, King Leonidas. Well, I said Midas. This is Leonidas. Yeah, he was, was close. The last syllables match. He obviously didn't have the, the golden touch. I can't remember him in any other movie besides the. He was in my my um. I guess yeah. Well, anyway, my girlfriend at the time had a crush on. Him. Yeah. So she like watched all of his shit and stuff like that. He had a couple other movies he did, and it was just like, uh, well, well whatever. <laughs> Not a big deal, but it, I, he wasn't a great actor. He kind of plays the same shit, kind of like Harrison Ford, yeah. you know, to an extent. Harrison Ford's not a he does an okay job in this. Um, I don't remember. If he, I think he does a great job. It's just this is just Harrison Ford though. Yeah, he's like just like action guy. Yeah, there's not much. He's and, a he's a Humphrey Bogart of like that time, basically. You gonna fart in the mic for me? Oh. Because it sounded like foot, like he farted. Like, oh, he farted. Oh. Um, yeah, it's, it has like so many close calls. And the movie, the the weakest part of the movie is probably when they do the reveal. Like they talk about this guy named Wentz. And, or Lentz, not Wentz. Lentz. And yeah. he's the doctor that has, you know, kind of invented this kidney. I think it's kidney medicine. Yeah. And it's like a liver, some kind of. Liver medicine or something. Okay, yeah, yeah. Liver kidneys. One of the, it's one of the three. Two of the kidneys are no. Yeah, it was a lot easier to follow the conspiracy the second time around. Yeah, once you realize who you're looking for. Yeah, because like you kind of forget about a lot of that shit. I mean, you know the one armed man, but you forget about like a lot of that. The doctors, doctors. Because that, that that seems literally like three minutes long. Yeah, and they keep flashing to it, but you don't pay attention to him being introduced to. Like, oh, do they Dr. mention Lentz. the liver, um, or not the liver? But do they mention the medicine in the beginning of the movie? They did. Um, 
Well, he has that scene where he goes to do the operation where he has to leave his wife at the house. Yeah. And they say, like, what's wrong with this guy? Because they're having to suck out all the blockage in this guy's arteries. Yeah. And they say, well, he's on that new medicine. And they're talking about, you know, and that's the medicine that's... And he's like, God damn it, I told them. <laughs> this is not good stuff. I told them, sons of bitches. Um, but, yeah, so they have that scene that kind of sets it up like this medicine's not good. And he realizes it. But... At that point, they said he had already said no to the medicine. He didn't sign off on it, saying it was like bad for his patients. But that was just kind of like, yeah. I guess, a scenario of setting up so you can go, oh, that's a callback. Like I said, like, the more times you watch the movie, and like I said, at this point, it's a comfort watch for me. Mm-hmm. Like, you do pick up on some more stuff. Like, oh, okay. And, like, the movie has so many close calls. Like, when he, when he escapes, he gets to a hospital and still... This old man's clothes. Oh, he steals a doctor's clothes, almost. Yeah. And steals food from this this elderly patient <laughs> who's kind of like half asleep in his room. Shaves off his beard so he can be like a little unrecognizable at least. And then, um, like, he runs into a cop. And the cop's like, hey, man, you seen this guy? Is that 6'1", 2 look in the mirror. <laughs> and, uh, and then the cop, he's about to walk in. The cop goes, hey, doc. He goes, yeah. Kind of like all nervous. He goes, and he motions it like towards his crotch and his zipper down. He's like, yeah, thanks. His dick's hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, Doc. Nice cop. <laughs> and then he runs into the one of the security guards from the bus that was yeah. punctured in the lungs with the, the ink pen cartilage or whatever. Yeah, that was a pretty cool callback. Yeah, thing. and the dude was like, oh, and then he puts the oxygen mask on his face because yeah. the, the cop recognizes him. He's yeah. like, he's punctured right there, little no. And these scenes are like really important, um, kind of like for him being a doctor and stuff because it shows that he's like not he still selfish. Cares. Yeah, like because he does it later in the movie with like the kid and stuff, and it makes you like like his character. Yeah, because if he didn't have that, I wouldn't I probably wouldn't care as much. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it's probably a callback. To like the Fugitive show, it's supposedly the director and Tommy Lee and Harrison Ford had never seen the show. Yeah. But they, for you to have a series as an action adventure crime filler, thriller, you're going to have filler in episodes where he's going on side adventures to help people to get to you know, like. It's like okay, fine. I have to put what I'm doing down to get to to help this person out, and I'll get I'll come back to this. Yeah. And like those scenes are you know it just shows you how good of a person Kimball is because he he's the one that actually pushed that guard out of the bus his partner just abandoned him said now fuck that good luck and left so he pushed the guard out of the bus and shows you okay that and then when he sees him he tells him exactly where he's injured injured and then the, the one guy carrying the paramedics like how the hell did he tell about that tell that but just look in his face extra vision <laughs> and there is a scene later on where uh he has a fake name tag he's um a custodian yeah because he's trying to get into the office where they have all the information for like people with prosthetic arm because he's trying to find the, the person, one-armed, the one armed bandit, <laughs> the sticky bandit. Yeah. Uh, uh, his arm sticks at the sink and he's running away or whatever. The man with one cock. <laughs> oh, God. one cocked man. I think that's everybody. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah, it could be. Uh, <laughs> um, but there is. A scene where there's a little boy that's in a hospital bed and he can't breathe. He's struggling to breathe. And then uh, Julianne Moore, which I think this is one of her first roles, mm. um, is a nurse. And, you know, she's like, well, you got to get this kid down to somewhere else, another office. 
And he realizes that something's serious. He's like, look at the files. And they don't know what the hell they're looking at. And then she tells him to take him down stairs or whatever. So he takes the boy and he's looking at his x-rays. And she catches a glimpse of this. He's looking at the x-rays. Just so like he takes him upstairs. He's like, yeah, I just love to look at a little boy body. Oh, God. Uh, and he ends up, um, he goes upstairs and takes him to surgery. And he's already, you know, the little doctor signature shit. And yeah. he rewrites the signature and then puts down the new instructions. Like, this is what the kid needs. And they take him in for surgery. And then you find out later on, when they question Julian Moore's character, they're like, what happened to the boy? He goes, he saved his life. Yeah. So it's a it just shows like you know the awesome part of this character is like he's very likable yeah um, and like I said these characters other than Gerard who has this I got to do my job the justice or I'm just my job is to catch this guy I don't care about him being innocent or not he is guilty in my book mm-hmm. to um, like that's pretty much the only like dense character there is he's not even that dense. Everybody else is kind of paper thin. Kimball has those moments for you to like him, but the fact that it's played by Harrison Ford, who's a beloved actor at this point for over 20 years, it's like, oh, okay, so I'm, I'm going to like this dude anyway. You yeah, know? pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then just going throughout it, like he starts piecing smaller and smaller things. They find out that he gets liver samples and he gets it checked out. And one of the people that he's worked with before and analyzed it, she goes, not only is this, you know, the same, like, like the medicine, like this is all from a, uh, okay, not only are these samples from a healthy liver, they're all from the same liver. So they're falsifying records to make this medicine look good. And then you find out the guy who was signing off on it was killed the same day that he signed off on over half the samples being approved, yeah. which is Lentz. And then you find out that the, the one guy, which is uh, Kimball's friend, the one who took his car at the beginning, is the one that had him killed. And that all this is happening while Gerard's trying to find him. Like I said, there's multiple scenes. Like, Harrison Ford goes to a Cook County like prison, which is in Chicago. This movie's based in Chicago, Illinois. And other than the, the, the bus crash scene, which was in North Carolina, everything was actually filmed in Chicago in the greater Illinois area. So, which is a nice location shot. Now, my dad has a scene that he really likes. It's just a small little thing. It's the scene where he's walking into the cave through the railroad tracks. It looks like a cave. Yeah. And my dad just loves that scene because he loves railroad bridges and railroads and, you know, stuff yeah, like that. there's some really, like, uh, some of the shots after he gets off the prison bus. I like a lot of those because it's like that small town yeah. aesthetic. <laughs> it's pretty awesome, and. Like, you know, like I said, Gerard, and there's a whole scene that's, like, pretty much ad-libbed where, like I said, he goes to try to find one of the guys, because he's calling around trying to see where these people are with prosthetic arms, and he finds one guy's in jail for armed robbery. He goes, okay, this might be the guy. Turns out it's not. But Gerard's already there because he's already figured out what he's trying to do, trying to find the guy. And then there's a whole chase scene, and... Harrison Ford runs into a St. Patrick's Day parade. Which was a real parade um, that they just filmed and had, like, Harrison Ford out in. Yeah, like, he literally ran into it. It was kind of ad-libbed almost, I Yeah, think. I, I think it, there's a lot in this movie that was, like, either ad-libbed or just on the spot yeah. kind of stuff. And they were able to f- a film a good bit before people started recognizing it as Harrison Ford, and it was like, you know. But there's, like, one ad-libbed line, which is, like, probably the most famous line in the movie is when he's chasing him the first time 
he's in that little sewer system. And he gets down, like, it's like a little slope from the opening going down to, like, the main tunnel of the sewer. He gets down there, but Gerard, when he's chasing him, falls down there. And he drops his gun. Well, Harrison Ford grabs his gun and holds it at him. And uh, Gerard has his hands up, and Harrison Ford goes, I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. Goes, I didn't kill my wife. And then finally Jones says, I did. <laughs> I, um, I nutted. <laughs> now he says, I, I don't, don't care. care. And that was ad lib. I don't know why he kept thinking, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that was ad lib. And, you know, you go through this whole thing. It's just like small little details of this movie that pop out. And it's like, oh man, that was kind of clever. Mm-hmm. And not like very prestige clever where somebody they're trying to be too smart. It's like this movie knows what it is. It's an action movie, but you don't have to be the the dumb, like fucking huge bolt up action movie like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, Stallone type of movie. This is a thriller with a lot of action to it. Like one of the writers of Die Hard was a co writer of this movie that fixed the script. And there was a lot of skip, script re Okay, and the thing is, this movie had a chaotic production. Like, there was script rewrites every day. There was a lot of ad-lib. And, you know, it was... This movie had the makings of a disaster. Like, this movie had no reason to be this fucking good. <laughs> and, and that's what, like, most of the reviews that I've read, I've either read or listened to on YouTube have said that. Like, when the production has had so many things. And this guy, who was the director... This was his huge hit. Everything else was kind of middling, not like huge. Don't ever see holes. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, that's so it was holes. Okay, I forgot. I remember there was a movie that he did. Holes. That was um, but he also did like like I said, Under Siege before this, two years before. But this was like his huge movie. Like, and it was just like a lightning in a bottle. You had two actors that everybody loved, and Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford. Was just, Tommy Lee Jones big at this point? Or? Uh, I don't know if he was big. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> he was digging hard. <laughs> I don't know if he was like big, and this movie set him off like into a like a bigger career as he did win the Academy Award. Because yeah. two years before that, he was in a Steven Seagal movie, and he was the bad guy, and he was already like an old looking in- individual. So he's been in movies, but yeah. Steven Seagal was like a huge star in the eighties, and that was like his like huge fucking hit was you know. Under Siege, which is, like I said, a great movie. Um, Wait, you're saying Steven Seagal was a big star? He is a big star. Yeah. star in Russia. He's like, he's speaking English. Speak English, please. <laughs> he's so stupid. Um, I think the last movie that Steven Seagal had that was um, released theatrically, I said that word wrong, but whatever, was... No, I said it right. Okay. Uh, was Half Past Dead. And it was him and Ja Rule... And they were in Alcatraz. I mean, I, I liked the movie, to be honest with you. I bought it on DVD thinking, this movie's going to be great. They're in Alcatraz. <laughs> I think that was, like, that was like 2002, that movie. Um, just, is he, was he fat? Like, of course he was fat. Like, Already wearing a toupee and everything, yeah. He was wearing a do-rag half the movie in jail, yeah. so it was hilarious. Yeah, it's like that one where he's like a sniper, and he's like wearing that do-rag and shit. And he like never gets out of this chair that he just sits in the whole movie. <laughs> He's supposed to be like this badass, like Navy SEAL or some shit. He's just like, oh no, I'm just sitting in my chair, man. He had, uh, he did have some 
badass movies. And he was, he's a legit martial artist. He just likes broken women. So, yeah. you know, that's he a bad thing. He likes to, I don't know, make <laughs> shitty movies now. Hey, 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 hey. This train is speaking. He can't understand. Like, he's like, yeah. there's a, um, a bit. <laughs> there's a bit on uh, a radio show that's syndicated all over the, all over the U.S. called Bob and Tom. Yeah. And they used to have a bit like somebody would call in and he was Steven Seagal, and it was spoofing the fact that Steven Seagal had that cop show. And he's like, you know, most of my life I've may have been an actor. The last twenty years I've been a cop. And he goes last, and then it has some other thing come up. And he's like, last thirty years I've been an open heart surgeon. And they'll be like, oh, oh, really? An open heart surgeon? He goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I'm in a surgery right now. Yeah, yeah. So make a decision here. Then make a decision here. And this, the dude wakes up like, yo, man, you still is a girl. He goes, oh, he woke up. Yeah, yeah. man. I, yeah, I get that a lot. Like, yo, man, you still is a girl. You lay down on the table, all right? But you're bleeding a lot. He goes, hey, easy, Jackie Chan. He goes, oh. He called me Jackie Chan. He goes, I'll give him Chinese star. <laughs> and you hear the guy goes, oh, in the back. And then you hear he goes, Steven Seagal, lawman. Anyway. <laughs> like, so Steven Seagal is not really a deep actor, but Tom Lee Jones steals that movie from Steven Seagal and Gary Busey. And Tom Lee Jones, I mean, I don't think he steals the movie. I just think he's just awesome. Because, I mean. In this one? Yes. Yeah, he's just like uh, really cool. I mean. They they wouldn't have made like a spin off TV show about Oh it. no, it's a spin off movie. It's a sequel oh, movie. it's a sequel movie. Is it any good? No. Uh, it's got uh, Robert Downey Jr. when he wasn't a huge star anymore at that point in the nineties and it's got Wesley Snipes, but it's it's the, kinda like the same plot and I don't think it's the same director either. So yeah, it's really weird that Robert Downey Jr. was famous and then he wasn't famous and then he became famous again. Yeah. And he just like you know the boy next door type of deal. Of course, he's kind of wacky and shit like that. He's real charismatic and everything. Yeah. But he was, I mean, he was great. He had a small role in a Rodney Dangerfield movie called Back to School, which is awesome. And, um, yeah, I want, I want to. <laughs> he had a small role in the movie called Iron Man. Yeah, just a small role. <laughs> I'm actually watching the MCU movies with my girlfriend now. She's like, never seen them. As they, as they chronologically released? Uh, yeah, as a release, not like chronological from the story. I didn't go like, oh, let's go watch Captain America Civil War, uh, Captain America Is that First Avenger. Oh, uh, yeah. And then let's go watch Captain Marvel because it's in the 90s. And then like, I'm, I'm watching with like Iron Man 1. We just watched Incredible Hulk. I'm about to watch Iron Man 2 and then Thor. Incredible Cock. Incredible Cock. I actually like the Incredible Hulk movie uh, with Edward Norton. They replaced him after that movie yeah. with uh, Mark Buffalo. Buffalo. Mark. Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Buffalo Bill. Buffalo. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's always, she's always like, I like him better than the DC movies. I'm like, you shut up. No. Okay? Um, but anyway, i like to see Tom Lee Jones in a Marvel movie. That'd be pretty bad. Yeah, he should be, um, he should be Thanos. <laughs> like, the whole character should be Thanos. <laughs> he should just put his face on it. <laughs> um, someone did a color a recolor of Thanos is like a human man, what he looked like. And yeah. he looked like this 40-year-old offensive lineman from the Los Angeles Rams. Did like, they keep his ball sack chin? Yeah. But they, they made him have like a little bit of a beard and they had like uh, a male pattern baldness. 
I was like, oh, that's fucking good hilarious. My man dirty. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they gave him a small cock. <laughs> oh, God. And I will say this, the dark side looks better in the Zack Snyder Justice League than really? Thanos looks like in the Marvel movies. That's just my opinion. Right. Um, I'm all for this getting off track here, but... Um, oh, yeah, I'm just like, well, I mean, I'm, only, I'm looking at, we're only recorded 41 you, minutes. Well, yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah. shit, we gotta we add gotta, some stuff in. <laughs> the, the problem is, is that we really said everything over, like, uh, two well, episodes. Yeah, we have, and it's kind of hard to, like, as much as I like, uh, as much as I love this movie, and I think Owen likes this movie, we'll find yeah. out in a minute. Shh, don't ruin it. Um, I give this movie three out of ten stars. <laughs> you son really, of a bitch! I remember really liking the music, but you didn't like it this time. Nah, it, well, I had to play on two times speed, so I so didn't really didn't have the impact of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I remember oh, like huh. there being some really cool tracks in the soundtrack. Yeah, which I'm going to have like this episode's going to open up with the main theme. Like the first like minute, like thirty seconds of it, yeah. and then uh, I got the ending of this episode is going to be uh, the final scene, just playing over the audio, like him being taken out. Uh, but the music was done by Mr. James Newton Howard, and he is the guy who's done the Dark Knight trilogy music. You know, he was like he was a I think a student. Or a pupil, I guess it's the same thing, but of uh, Jerry Goldsmith, who's done a lot of stuff. And let's see here, make sure I'm not. Okay, uh, James Newton Howard did uh, Fugitive, Space Jam, Peter Pan, King Kong, The Dark Knight, Fantastic Beasts, and Where to Find Them. Um, Where do you find them at? He did I Am, dude, I Am Legend? Be... No, yes, no, no. No? I don't think, I don't know, maybe. Oh. I am a legend. Uh, let's see. What about the I am legend gas prices? Am I right? <laughs> Whoops. Let me do that. So he's actually the, um, he's actually the original Doom. He did the music for the original Doom. Oh, that's cool. Uh, let's see here. Remember? I like the music in the original Doom. We should do, we should watch Doom, even though it's like kind of late. Yeah. <laughs> He actually did the music for Major League, which is a great baseball spoof, fun movie. It's a good movie. Um, Pretty Woman, which is a bad thing. Bad, big movie. Which is a fucking shitty movie. <laughs> did you watch, um, so just, uh, I don't know why the Snyder Cut thing has been on my brand now, but, um. I mean, I've watched it multiple times. So did you watch that one and then the other one? The one that came out first, the Joss Whedon. No, I didn't have to watch that because I've watched that one like three or four times, okay. like over the course of since it's been released. Because you know, for context, the theatrical cut Josh Whedon version of Justice League came out in twenty seventeen. Twenty twenty one was the Zack Snyder version come out, so it was yeah. like four years. And I've watched it a couple of times, showing it to like my dad or my girlfriend, or whatever. And Zack Snyder's movie, while be it four hours long, this context of that is great. And it gives, like, a lot of spotlight to Cyborg, who's never going to get his own movie. Yeah. A lot of a spotlight to Aquaman and Flash to kind of set up their characters properly. It's made for streaming. Like, it was the perfect thing. He put all the time and effort he could into it. They, you know, spent another $25 million making it. And he was just like, they're like, maybe we should release it, like, over the course of four one-hour episodes. He's like, no, it needs to be watched in one sitting. Yeah. Which I think is awesome. Like, you know, he got a... Like, free reign to do his own version, and Warner Brothers didn't want to do that. Yeah. But it's really good. If you watch Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, the Ultimate Edition, 
and Zack Snyder's Justice League, they all fit perfectly. It's a great trilogy of movies. Yeah. And they're different than Marvel. That's the biggest thing. Like, people will complain, like, oh, the movies are too dark and shit like that. But if somebody tries to copy Marvel, you're just copying Marvel. It's like, what the fuck do you want? Marvel. And I like the Marvel movies, but I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you, like, want someone to do if they made something too much like Marvel. They're like, oh, you're just copying Marvel. You make something completely different like these DC movies are. It's like, they're just too dark. I don't like those. Well, okay, fucking go play in traffic. I don't know what the fuck to tell you. I don't know. They're, all the superhero movies are kind of stretched me thin. <laughs> well, uh, I'll just do a quick thing. Did you like the Batman? The Batman? You don't want to save it for the... No, just a quick thing. Like We're going to be doing a whole episode in like a fucking month. I don't think we're going to remember recording this. Yeah, probably. And Cody's going to listen to it and go, they ruined it for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we just skipped the whole fucking plot. And he's like, no, damn it. I can't believe Killer Crocodile showed up in a realistic Batman. I can't believe that the man bat showed up and then bit Bruce Wayne's cock. I don't think any of those characters would fit in the Batman universe. Though. Yeah, definitely. Unfortunately, not. not. This thing's even more like realistic than the the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, but what is it with them? Like modern Batman movies, and like they try so hard to not have any of that like supernatural kind of elements to it. Well, I mean, uh, they tried with Zack Snyder's Batman universe. Because he's with Superman, it's just you know, everybody wanted to shit on the movie. Because it's funny part: the people that shit on the ultimate edition of Batman versus Superman, which nobody wanted to watch because it's in theaters. Everybody said it was too long. Was three hours and six minutes long. Wait, what was the Batman versus Superman? The ultimate edition, the theatrical cut, which is missing a bunch of shit. It's kind of confusing. It's like two hours and thirty minutes. They made them cut it down. If you watch the ultimate edition, it makes sense. It's three hours and six minutes with credits. The Batman, which everybody's like, oh, it's so awesome and epic, is two hours and fucking 56 minutes. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, yeah, but, like, and I don't know, I really want to save it, but the Batman definitely went on for too long. Yes, it did, but nobody's <laughs> talking about it going on too long. It's like, oh, this movie's great, we're going to suck on its nuts. Like, okay, look, for a first movie, a first movie. I don't, I don't think, do you mean, like, they're going to do a sequel? They're going to do a, well, they're gonna be a fucking to, trilogy. But I heard that Robert Pattinson didn't want to do it anymore. No, he wants to do it more. He no, said he has. It's unfortunately. He wants to wear his... Not unfortunately. I think he's good. That's yeah, cool. I think... Um, I actually like... Damn it, I don't really... Well, I guess we can talk about it. Fuck it. We'll do a quick... Just a quick thing. We'll finish up the future. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like his portrayal. Um, do you like it better than Christian Bale's? I don't really remember Christian Bale's. It's me. <laughs> you know, that his changing his voice and all that shit. Uh, I can't remember his too much, though, so I can't really say. But um, I think those movies are defined by the villains more so than Batman. Yeah, definitely. And I think this Riddler's okay. Yeah. I don't, he, he's, he was... Um, he was better than Scarecrow in yeah. those movies, but he's not better than Bane or the Joker, in my opinion. Yeah, the Joker, baby. I, yeah, I think he was threatening, which was pretty cool. Um, yeah. The diddler. <laughs> he's, hi guys, when he recorded hey guys. <laughs> Yeah, actually, yeah, there are some moments at the end that forgot where he loses his, like, threatening shit because there's so much, like, there's a couple, like, unintentionally funny moments in the movie. Yeah. Or maybe it's, uh, if you listen to everybody talk about it, everything's intentional, though. Everything's intentional. 
But it's good. I do recommend seeing the Batman. Um, I, oh, oh, okay. Which is cool. I, I like varying opinions. I don't want to come across as like, I'm jerking this movie off. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, I love well, the Dark I thought Knight you movie. were mixed to negative about the movie is what I thought you would be. I think, like, just for my quick overview of it, the first half of the movie is fucking awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I went like, in this movie like literally with the opinion I'm going to fucking hate this movie and we'll find something to hate because it's not going to be better than The Dark Knight. And in the first ten minutes, I'm like, okay, I get it. This is awesome. Yeah. But then it does drag along and it's like, okay, I think how many fucking mysteries are we supposed to yeah, have? Yeah, when I walked away from it, I think I just remembered it like kind of fizzling out. out towards the end. Yeah. yeah. Which is nothing against like the filmmaker, Matt Reeves. Um, I was about to say Christopher Reeve, but that was the guy who played Superman in the 70s and 80s. Um, he's dead now. R.I.P. Um, I think, like I said, somebody had, like, I watched somebody's quick review before I saw it, and he was like, yeah, the first act is, like, really incredible, the second act is kind of, like, dull, and the third act kind of picks it back up, but, you know, it, I guess it depends on the viewer. I would say the first, and then... The first lulls for you? You don't like the first? No, the first is great. Um, okay. And then the second is good. It's the third that gets boring because the third act is the one where it's like um, the diddler is in jail, right? And yeah, and that's, to, the they city's flood, flooding and yeah. shit. That's where I kind of like was like, okay, I'm not really being kind of boring. Uh, <laughs> what's funny, like, the, you know, that, that epic scene, because this movie is definitely, that movie is set up definitely for cinematic shots. Like, this is yeah. Shit like that. I mean, I liked um, the set design really well. I liked yeah, that film. part's cool. Gotham but... looked really cool. I mean, it was just New York, but like it was like because um, you know in the Christian Bale movies, it's like just kind of a city. They don't have like a lot of that noir style mm-hmm. to it, but this one definitely did. I liked that a lot. You remember the scene at the end where he's helping everybody out of the flooded section of the building and he's got the flare. Yeah. And he's walking he's like through walking chest deep away. water. There's literally a little kid walking behind him that's <laughs> <and> like, <laughs> just like swimming through. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, that kind of threw me off because I knew the kid was small. Yeah. And and the thing is that people are like, everything that comes out new, you have a bunch of set of fans, a bunch yeah. of set Well, people get hyped about a movie. That's why, you, like I was saying, you have like this kind of artificial um like praise, I think, where people come out of a movie that's like decent to okay to like kind of good, and they'll be like, "Dude, this is fucking awesome!" Yeah, I I don't think a lot of people are like this movie is like it's like it's better than the Dark Knight. It's better like just comparing them. Like, look, the Dark Knight movies, as much as like you can look back on them and nitpick them, like, okay, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work. They changed the game for comic book movies. Because literally a year before what Batman Begins was fucking Catwoman, the worst comic book movie of all time, with uh, Halle Berry. That like movie, literally a year before that movie kicks. That movie walked so this movie could run. <laughs> like yeah, I would say I would say like, of course, you know, you have the Spider Man movies and X Men going on at the same time, but the Dark Knight was like the more grounded, more realistic. Like he doesn't have superpowers. He is a dude. There's an explanation for everything. Yeah, and. You can tell the influence, and even John Favreau, who was the director of the first Iron Man, and Kevin Feige said that Batman Begins was influential on them when they made Iron Man, which is the first of the MCU movies. And not because it's dark and gritty, but they made it 
okay, this is realistic. This makes sense. That yeah. type of deal. And because I mean, the best thing I guess you could say about the MCU is, is that like there's never um, a point in those movies. Like at the time, comic book movies were like, oh, it's just a stupid comic book movie. Who gives a fuck? Yeah, there's kind of that kind of attitude in terms of like story writing. Um, but you know, the Marvel movies kind of took themselves a little more seriously. Yeah, and they did, and they made. Uh, well, I mean, they took themselves like seriously, I think, in the story writing department. But you know, like. The like overall the tone jokes. of the movie, yeah, it does have, like, you know, comedy in it. So it's, like, a good balance. <laughs> yeah. And they also got, like, how do I really put this? They have um, a bunch of, like, just, like, ways of making it more plausible. Like, okay, here's the thing when you go see a movie. Or I always describe this to, like, my girlfriend about, like, kayfabe with wrestling. Okay, I know what I'm watching on TV is staged entertainment. They're trying not to hurt each other. There's going to be times to actually connect and all this other stuff. When you have something on wrestling that just beats this over your head, like, you know this is fake, right? Like when they have stupid zombies. Yeah. When they try to be like a live-action TV show where zombies storm the ring and try to like take yeah, some guy over. Yeah, it's just like insulting your intelligence. Yeah. Stupid. Like, I, I understand what this is. Don't insult my intelligence. And Marvel doesn't do that yeah. with their movies. Like, like Batman and Robin did. Because you got to realize that was kind of the huge thing. Yeah, so. Or like, um, what was that movie that came out in the 80s with Dr. Freeze? Or Mr. Freeze? But that was in the 80s or the 90s. That was, I think it was Batman and Robin. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And you had like, I mean, I think George Clooney was Batman. Arnold Schwarzenegger was uh, Mr. Freeze. Mr. Freeze. Uma Thurman was uh, Poison Ivy. I mean, you had, like, stars in the movies. It was just a bad movie. And Joel Schumacher just, made the movie. He was a great director. Yeah, the movie was just... Well, well, maybe still be alive. A big I don't want to say... The thing know. about that was, I think there was, like, a studio meddling. But I'm not sure. It was studio meddling, but it was also, like... They were, that movie was made to sell action figures. Like, literally yeah. everything about it. Yeah. Um, my, my favorite thing about the new Batman is the soaps that you bought us. So, if we can That sounds... It, uh, like I'm your boyfriend, but I'll allow yeah. it. Well, um, they were podcast gift soaps. <laughs> are, are you still using the Riddler soap? Yeah, I used the Diddler one. <laughs> it's, it's, but it smells like green apple is what the smell is supposed to be. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah. So the soap has lasted you a while. It, like, one bar only lasts me like five days. Really? Maybe I'm lathering up too much. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, they smell really good and they feel really good. And they let's get a sponsorship from... Doctor Squad. Oh, dude, when, when we actually do the Batman <laughs> episode in like a month, I guess we, I'm definitely tagging it. Like, hey, I got this box. You want to sponsor <laughs> yeah, us yeah. on Twitter or something like, like that? Just for some free soap every once in a while, you know, throwing our way. Uh, just to give me a fucking reach, would be awesome. I'm sure you guys got over like a hundred thousand followers on Twitter. We can do that. The soap you shower with is shit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I want to try out Doctor Squash because I keep seeing these commercials for the natural soap. And then they had uh, this Batman commercial, and it's actually sponsored the Batman. It came in like a little case. They have a Batman and a Riddler soap. I'm like, oh, cool! It's yeah. only twenty bucks. So I decided no, like really good. Like the Batman one smells like leather, and then like the Joker, or the Joker one. <laughs> the Joker, <laughs> the Joker baby one smells like the Joker baby. <laughs> no, the Riddler one smells like uh, what's well, supposed to be a mystery one, but it smells like a green apple. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't smell so. Yeah. I can tell it smells but different. But you can taste it. No. So I'm <laughs> I will eat it. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's almost like I'm tempted. 
Because they, they're so, like, soft and they feel so nice. It does. It makes your skin feel nice, too. I have to give Cody his box soon. But it comes in a nice little case. Yeah, it's got, like, a magnetic clamp. It looks cool and shit. Yeah, so it wasn't bad for 20 bucks a piece. Like, for the display of it. I mean, I even kept... I've used the Batman soap first. I even kept the box, the Batman soap, in just to put it back into the main box. Yeah. I've just been leaving it, like, in the shower. The the red the box. No, not the box. I took the box. No, no, no. I, no, no, I mean, like, I took the soap out of the box. I'm talking about the yeah. box. I didn't throw it away. I kept it in. Yeah, the Yeah, I kept box. it in the thing too. Yeah. Gotcha. I was like, uh, like I take my box in the shower, bro. It glows oh, in does the it? Yeah. Honestly, I had no idea. That's fucking cool. I'm gonna go home. And like, hey, look at this. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I talk to my dad's cat, like that's the only person that listen to me. But yeah, that soap is awesome. So, uh, Doctor Squash, please uh, sponsor us. Please send us some soaps and we'll... we'll Can we get one for, like, The Fugitive? Like, a soap for The Fugitive? Yeah. That would be really cool. Can we get... We want some Filmoscopy-branded soaps that smell like... That'd be kind of fucking cool. Yeah. We can never get that big. I doubt it. We want them to smell like the, like, inside of, like, um... I don't know. Oh. Oh. Oh, my anus. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Uh, But, yeah, going back to The Fugitive... <laughs> I had to do that because I wanted to stretch out. I didn't want to give you guys a forty-five minute podcast. That would have sucked. Yeah, because we were kind of stretched thin on this. We've yeah, done this like twice already. Three times. Yeah, twice the third time. And like I said, the, the whole plot, and it comes to a close. And you know, Richard Kimball goes to a conference at I guess like a big hotel or whatever. Yeah. After he's already fought the one armed man, he found him. He fought him, and yeah, he led. Um, the marshals all to like every bit of evidence to clear his name basically and he's finally making like the final confrontation against the guy who is you know swapped the samples and stuff and it turns like, out it's his buddy from the beginning of the movie yeah. that's helped him throughout the movie money wise and everything yeah and he unfortunately uh not unfortunately and unfortunately, the, the, another weaker part of the movie is like this movie is about proving his innocence from his wife's death, but he never goes to a moment of grieving for his wife. It's kind of a breakneck speed. Like they don't like go into a deepness of the character. Yeah, you know. And he does. There are things like when he's fighting his buddy, he's like, "Why Helen?" When it turns out, like they were meaning to kill Kimball. That's why he was there to kill Kimball and probably his wife. Yeah. But Kimball wasn't there, so he had to kill his wife. And, like I said, he goes to this conference and his buddy is um, presenting the medicine that Kimball signed off on that was bad. And it's funny, like, the guy has, like, a little slip up of the tongue and he's talking about, he says something, he meant to say honest, but he says dishonest. Yeah. Like, he's like, oh, excuse me, honest. Shit. And he even announced to everybody, he's like, everybody, my friend Richard Kimball, and Richard looks at the crowd because they all know he's a wanted man now because he's yeah. Richard Kimball. So there's a whole little fight scene, and then they end up in a laundry room of the hotel, and um, the, it's like a whole little thing, like the bad guy's hiding behind like a beam of clothes and shit yeah. like that, and Tommy Lee Jones comes down, and he's yelling because he's trying to find Richard, and he announces to him, like, Richard, it's time to stop running. I know about, uh, I can't remember the doctor, I know about Lentz and the other doctor, I was like, they killed your wife. They took your car. They took yeah. They, they took your car, Richard. They called him. They took your car and your life. Then that's your what life. I think. That's what kind of gave um, Tommy Lee Jones, uh, Gerard, that okay. This is what happened because Kimball called the one armed man from his car, and it turns out it was his buddy that was driving his car that called the one armed man. 
from his own car. So it's kind of fucked up. He called to set up the killing from his own fucking car. Yeah. Um, but then, like, the best part of the movie, they're playing that fucking awesome music from the be- throughout the movie, but it's the, the opening track, the main track. And um, the, I can't remember the bad guy's name. Hold on. Let me get the bad guy because this is going stupid of me. I'm like, I'm so stupid. The doctor? Um, yeah, the, uh, oh, well, wrong thing. Yeah, I don't remember. I got it right here, too. My old man. Um, let's see here. Dr. Charles Nichols. That's the bad guy I've been referring to this whole time. And he's about to shoot Tommy Lee Jones, Gerard's character, you know, Tommy Lee Jones' character, Gerard. And then Harrison Ford comes out of the shadows and hits him with, like, a big metal pipe and knocks him out. See, I don't get that because, like, so he's going to shoot a cop. (laughs) Yeah, well, see, at this point, Nichols is like a caged animal. He can't get out. He's literally, he doesn't have an end game at this point because he thought everything was going to be good and Richard was going to go to jail. So he's going to be like, he's, at this point, he's just like a fucking cornered animal, so he's trying to escape the best way he can. So he's going to shoot the cop, I guess, try to leave. Yeah. And then, um, <coughs> excuse me, and then, well, Gerard walks up to Kimball, and he kicks the gun away, and, you know, Harrison Ford, in a, in a choked-up voice, he goes, he killed my wife. He goes, I know. <laughs> he goes, I don't, he's like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, Tommy Jones, Gerard goes, I keep referring to the actor, I'm just saying Tommy Jones, fuck it. Tommy Jones goes, I know Richard, I know it. And then yeah. he, and he goes, it's over now. And he wipes off his forehead and he goes, you know, I'm glad, I need to rest. Yeah. And then, like I said, this whole last scene after this point is going to be playing at the end of the episode. And he takes him down in front of all the Chicago police that arrested him, guys that questioned him at the beginning of the movie, in handcuffs. They get him into the cop car, and in front of everybody, he takes off the handcuffs. And he gives them an ice pack to put around his wrist. And, uh, of course, they all have seen this, and this is obviously before the car drives off, and then Harrison Ford just kind of stares at, you know, Tommy Jones, and Tommy Jones is looking off into the car, and he goes, I thought you didn't care. And he goes, I don't. And they both laugh, and he goes, don't tell anybody, okay? <laughs> and it's just a fucking great fucking little ending line to the movie, in my opinion. Starts sucking his penis. Too. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. All right. Um, and that's the end of the movie. Um, it was a great film. It was a nail biting, suspenseful mystery thriller. I feel like you're being sarcastic. Um, no. <laughs> um. Okay, so I'll go ahead and go into recommendations. We're here. Do you recommend this movie? <laughs> of course. Oh, sorry, that's too, that's enough. You said too much. Uh, <laughs> I don't you, no, like, do you recommend this movie? <laughs> I'm sorry, we're having sound difficulties on his file. Hold on a second. <laughs> um, so since you recommend it, what was your favorite part of the movie, if you had a favorite part? Uh, my favorite part is when he's at the, t- he's in the dam and then he jumps. Oh shit! I forgot about that scene. That was yeah, <laughs> they have like the silly little puppet. Yeah, fall off the thing. The the fact that it's a really cool scene. It's the it looks like the Hoover Dam. I don't know what the hell that is. Yeah, I don't know. It's some kind of dam from probably the Illinois area. Yeah, and or he, not Illinois, but Chicago area. Yeah, I don't know if that was, like, in Chicago or the, the surrounding Illinois. You're probably right yeah, the first time. Some, somewhere in Illinois. That scene cost $2 million to shoot. That's actually Harrison Ford standing out at the opening of the, of the, the tunnel. And he's, 
he's secured by a, uh, like a, a wire, I guess, is holding his foot so he doesn't fall off. But it's actually him filling that part. And there were six dummies used for the scene where he was able to throw down, which cost $60,000 himself. I think you see, like, the dummy, like, hit You do. You see the leg get kind of cockeyed up? (laughs) Yeah, you see, like, hit the side of the wall and shit. It's like, It's hilarious, and I guess the company that supplied them the dummies was pissed off because they were going to reuse the dummies for another production. It's like, (laughs) we can't use these or whatever. But, yeah, that was was probably, like, that and the bus uh, train crashing in the bus was, like, the two most expensive scenes in the movie. Yeah. Um... My favorite part of the movie would have to be, I just think, just the ending to me. Like, when he tells him, he's like, you know, he killed my wife, like, almost starting to cry. And Tom Lee Jones is like, I know, Richard, I know. And then they have the thing in the car where he goes, I thought you didn't care. And he's like, I don't. And they laugh. He goes, don't tell anybody. Like, don't tell anybody I'm a good guy. He wants to, you know, have that badass thing, but he's a cool guy. And it's just, I get like, I remember the like, first couple times I was watching, like, man, that's really cool. And even when I get older, I still get a little choked up in the scene. Like, oh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. The whole movie is great. There's no boring parts for a two hour movie. But for anybody, you know, that's listening, I definitely recommend this movie. Yeah, Cody's opinion was just wrong. Cody's opinion is just wrong. Just I know Cody's going to recommend it because. I can't believe he said all those awful things. <laughs> um, I'm, Cody, I know he liked the movie when we first recorded this. I don't think his opinion is going to change. He is uh, not a huge Harrison Ford fan, so for him to get, um, you know, like to like a Harrison Ford movie like this, with that has like there's no sequel for the Harrison Ford character, or there's no beginning to it. It's just a standalone movie. It's pretty impressive on my end. Like, oh yeah, because not one person who's ever watched this movie has ever told me they didn't like it. Alex has watched it; and he loved it. Uh, my girlfriend watched it, loved it. Obviously, my whole family watched it and loved it. And I have always, like I said, I, this movie has, holds a special place in my heart because of, you know, my grandmother introduced it to me. my first grown-up movie I actually liked. And, you know, it's just really, just like the perfect storm. Like I said, this movie had so many rewrite, rewrites of the script, five years in development, had rewrites as the filming was going on. Harrison Ford thought this was the end of his career. Tommy Lee Jones thought this was the end of his career. And this movie had no right being this fucking good. And it's fucking great. Yeah, it is surprisingly pretty damn good. And, you know, like I said, I don't know. I, I just appreciate the fact that I nailed it with this movie. Like, hey, because I remember telling you, like, I'm thinking we'll pick this movie. This is back in December. You're like, yeah, I've never seen it. And I know you're, it wasn't one of those things you're like, oh, crap, I'm so excited to watch this. This came out the same year as Jurassic Park, 93. Mm. Which we just uh, recorded last week. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so the next movie we'll be doing is another land selection. It's going to be Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of the Skywalker. Rise of the Cock Talker. <laughs> the Cock Talker. The cock I like that better. <laughs> Rise of the cocksucker. <laughs> um, we're gonna be recording it right out of Skywalker Ranch. We're going. Is that where they? What is Skywalker Ranch? It's is like, that the, the, the where they do all the special effects, the sound effects, and everything. Um, they have some studios, like there's some um, companies out there that do like special effects and like lighting and sound design. But um, what Skywalker Ranch is is like George Lucas made like a retreat for like filmmakers and stuff that are his funds. It's just like this big, like, 
it's just a ranch, like a giant ranch. With, like, oh, okay. Surrounded by wildlife that, like, George Lucas lets his friends stay at. What was, like, actual dinosaurs from Jurassic Park? <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's where we'll be at. That's kind of, that's pretty cool. I I didn't, I didn't, so I thought, I didn't, I've heard the name Skywalker Ranch. I didn't know if it was like yeah. just something they called, he, like, like where they held, where they filmed everything, special yeah, effects wise. That's where he like writes and like um, I think does editing or like works with editors and stuff. Okay. Well, you learn something new every day, people. Um, he called us out there because of our uh, de- devotion towards his legacy. <laughs> And his neck roll. Our honor. Uh, George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, well, fuck him. Oh, Go ahead and put the no in Return of the Jedi. And you know what I'm I swear. I'll drown you in Ewok Lake. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you he has something called Ewok Lake. Yeah, there's a lake there called Ewok Lake. That is amazing. <laughs> I love that so much. I'll fucking drown you with Ewok Lake. <laughs> and he just like films it seen in uh, Apocalypse Now. With all the pygmies, he comes out of the water. And <laughs> he's he's like the lead one, but he keeps him. He goes, "I could have done this scene better if I did the movie." Fuck Francis Ford Capella. <laughs> uh, is it or is Francis Ford Capella and him couple? I'm not saying that last name right, am I? It's Coppola. Is it Coppola? Yeah. Okay. Is Coppola and Lucas friends too? Are they part of the same group? Yeah, I mean, like a lot of those old filmmakers are friends from like the you know seventies to like eighties. I mean, I, I didn't know Lucas was, like, the same man. Lucas is the only one that sells a head full of hair of all of them. Yeah. So, you know. And John Carpenter's, like, that emo kid yeah. from the same group of kids. He wasn't friends with them, though. He's like, I came out the same class. I'm doing my own movies. Like, they're doing Jurassic Park and Star Wars, and he's doing Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's always been kind of, like, a weird, idiosyncratic kind of guy. So He's like, yeah, this is ironic. He doesn't know what irony is. So this thing went off track, but yeah, I hope everybody enjoyed our little uh, uh, mini The Batman review. The Batman is not better than Venom, let there be carnage. Uh, <laughs> let there be a carnage. Let there be a carnage. Um, anyway, so I, I hope everybody out there gives The Fugitive a chance. I hope you like the sound files I picked out. If you didn't, I mainly picked them up because I like them, and if I ever go back and listen to this shit, I like to have this memory. So, uh, anyway, everybody out there, uh, be safe, and hope you have a good rest of your time of your day, and your next podcast you listen to will not be as good as the one you just listened to, just to give you a heads up, spoiler alert. Exactly, that's exactly right. And, uh, as always, finish, may the force be with you. Guys, I know what Kimball did. He was convicted of it. He says it was the one-armed man. Now you've got a one-armed man in custody. Is that the guy who killed his wife? I have no idea. Come on, how many one-armed men are there? At this point, at this point, there are a lot of one-armed men. Have you made a mistake? One-armed man is also there. I've never seen so much, but I've been around here a long time. I've seen that much police. You got a demo. I played a one-armed man. Oh, yeah. Tell Samuel Gerard I'm going home now. I'm taking my vacation.
thought you didn't care. I don't. <laughs> don't tell anybody, okay? 